Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about the lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my fantastic co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm in that place where you, you know it's like it's Easter, which, I mean, I'm not, I don't celebrate, I'm not religious by nature, but I grew up Catholic, so I've got like a lot of buzzing going on, a lot of associations in my head. And with everything going on, it was it's very hard to keep track of the day. So I'd completely forgotten. So today has been interesting. It's been like, oh, it's that. Oh, yeah, okay. That's how I feel, too. Days are sort of just running into each other. But that's okay, because once a week, everybody at home gets to hear us, and I get to record a wonderful show that makes me feel much better about things in life. So we're going to be answering some questions from you, the listeners out there. Again, if you have questions for us that you want us to answer on this or the other podcast or even in the queue, uh, be sure to send them in. Uh, you can hit us up at podcast at blizzardwatch.com and just tell us what show it's for. Give us uh, give us your information. Let us, let us know. And then you can also send it in on Discord. If you are a Patreon supporter, we have something there where you can let us know. And uh, actually, many of our questions this week came from Discord. So thank you all for sharing. First up, uh, this is from Crits Happen on Spinebreaker. We've had a few from them in the past. Thank you, Crits Happen. Question for Lorewatch. Greetings, watchers. Of all things Blizzard. Matt talked about expecting more from Hakar this expansion, and I agree. Could it be that our buddy Hakar's Loa resurrection could have been blocked by our favorite Loa of death because he wasn't happy about the blood trolls? Second question, in the Well of Eternity book, they talk about the lands uh, that the dragons live in. Is this dragon blight, or might we see this area in the Dragon Isles that have been hinted at? Thanks for everything that you do. So, I mean... Are we talking about data mining stuff? Uh, probably if we have time after the questions, we'll get into some of it. This question touches on data money stuff. It does, and I think we can give a spoiler warning here, because I don't think we're going to go too far into it, because I don't think we know much about it no. so much yet. 
but I just want to throw that out there, guys. Uh, there's going to be spoilers for stuff that's been data mined in Shadowlands. If you don't want those, I mean, this show is going to have them. Yeah, we generally do. So you've been warned. All right. Just so you know, we don't know to what we don't know what what this is involved in. We don't know if it's a quest or a storyline or what. But Hakar has been data mined. A slightly new model for Shadowlands. We don't know in what way he's he's in the. We don't know if he shows up. We don't know. But they did do a new model for him. It's slightly updated. He is in this. Uh, there's other Trolloa of note in this too, and I'm gonna leave that to later because it doesn't. We don't know that it has anything to do with a car. But Hikar is in the Shadowlands data mining, so. It is possible that we're going to find out why Hakar wasn't around uh, in the expansion with a blood god who is, you know, dealing with blood trolls. Absolutely, there is, it is possible that that's going to happen, uh, but we don't know. As for, I don't know if he counted as dead in, in, in the Cataclysm. The last time we saw Hakar, he was chained up in the Realm of Spirit, and we broke the chains and he destroyed uh, Jindo. I don't know if he counted as dead. That that is something that I'm not sure of. Uh, he might have. He might have been quote unquote dead. Uh, we've we've seen other Loa do that same kind of thing. In fact, the one that I that comes to mind to me is the one from Zoldrak, mm -hmm. who is also a wind serpent Loa. By the way, just like Hakar. Hakar is a big wind serpent Loa. We keep forgetting that because of his whole thing about blood and and flaying things and death and destruction. Hakar is still a big wind serpent. Like, we've seen him summon wind serpents. His avatar was using a big wind serpent form. He himself has got a twisted wind serpent form. And so, too, was the one in Zoldrak, whose name I am completely forgetting. If, Joe, if you remember, by all means, was it Quetzalin? I think so. But she also, when she was being drained by her priest, she dragged him to a realm of spirit and destroyed him after she was, quote-unquote, dead. So it might very well have been the same kind of thing. Yeah, like, I don't think we've ever actually, like, really had a whole kill Hakar thing, because looking back at the stories, even, like, looking back at the old, 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 old stories back before the opening of the Dark Portal, the whole thing with the trolls that happened around there, they were trying to summon Hakar, and it wasn't well, I, necessarily I think... that he was there, right? Like, they were trying to bring him to this plane. I'm not sure. I think Zolgarab, he's there. He, they did successfully pull him through. Um, and that's when you fight him in Zolgarab. That's that's that fight. Not the, not the one in the five-man, but the one in the original raid. I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be physically manifested. That's that's why the Corrupted Blood is there. Right, yeah. That, but, I think that was... Yeah, no, I think you're right. That was the one successful summoning. I don't know if, like, when we beat him, if he's quote-unquote dead. I don't know. That's just not something I'm qualified to talk to, to talk about. I just don't. It's been so long, and they changed the raid to, in Cataclysm, and we see him afterwards, and he's in the realm of spirit. It's possible he's considered dead. It's possible you can't really kill Hakar because you can summon him through. And in point of fact, we don't know how that works with any Loa. And that's something I think we're going to definitely see in Shadowlands. I think that's definitely going to be a point in Shadowlands is how does this death rebirth cycle work? How did Scenarius get to come back? Because you notice when Scenarius came back, we summoned him. Like if you remember Cataclysm, when Scenarius comes through, we had to make a portal 
Yeah, we brought so him back over. Through. So it's possible that it's without a Loa like Bon Samdi or some other Loa who we might talk about a little bit, they 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 need like summoning. Someone on this side has to pull them through. And that so, might be what happens. I don't know. So this I'm is all fairly something up in the air. I'm wondering if it has anything to do very similar to like what happened in the Emerald Nightmare Raid. Because I just I just redid it last night trying to do some transmog stuff, and I did remember that I mean Scenarius gets gets jacked in there. Like he he's basically corruption jacked, right? And mm-hmm. we have to put him down inside of the Emerald Dream. But what happens after that is that he's cleansed. Like he's cleansed and immediately brought back to a state of functionality, unlike the other ones. At the end of the the raid, when you finish it off, you have other spirits. You have Ysera, you have Ursok, uh, you have a few others that are, I can't remember their names off the top of my head, uh, but they're they're still ghosts. They're still spirits in the Emerald Dream, but Cenarius is not. Cenarius is fully reformed. In fact, uh, a druid from all of the major races essentially comes and, and says, yo, what's up, man? Uh he's there you can interact with him he thanks you and i'm wondering if this is something similar where that's sort of their realm right like hakar might be in his realm and no matter what we do he just goes back and reforms there but i think you're right that it's until somebody opens the gate whether it is wam samdi or um i think jindo jindo the breaker uh summoned him through at 1.2 so it was just yeah, a, he- a very powerful shaman right um so but it's they a, needed to do like the rituals and stuff to yeah. summon them through when it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on to get Hakar through the first time. Hakar couldn't have gotten through the first time if we as, as players hadn't taken that egg from, I think it was, uh, not Tanaris. Uh, I know that, that, Zul, that Zul, Zola, it was, we took the egg to Sunken Temple. We took it from Kalimdor. I can't remember if it was Feralos. It is Feralos. Feralos, yep. Originally the got the egg, egg in Feralos, yeah. and then you had to go down to Tanaris and talk to a troll who totally sent you over there, and that's that's how it all happened. And you had to go get the mallet of Zulfarak, because Zulfarak was involved in all of this. So yeah, original World of Warcraft quests could be pretty crazy, kids. Um, but yeah, that's the, the whole thing about Hakar, is we had to go through a lot to get him through, and it, a lot of it was us messing up, because, you know, players. Uh, but we had to do all that, and then the avatar of Hakar... And we found out about, and the thing about Hakar was he was always involved in the corruption of the Emerald Dream. Yes. So it's possible Hakar made a deal with the old gods. Or the old gods exploited Hakar, because we did see that the blood could be, uh, the blood could be used uh, independent of Hakar, right? Well, that's the thing is like Hakar's blood, the, the original, you know, corrupted blood curse was from Hakar, not from the old gods. It wasn't anything to do with, uh, what's his name? Gahoon, mm-hmm. whose name sounds a lot like Goon, so to me I always call him Goon. But Gahoon, Gahoon's blood actually got added to Hakar's blood, and that's what created uh, the, the Vectus. Vectus was actually like old god corruption and the corrupted blood plague at the same time. Which is and how you had the old bodies of the corrupted Loa running around that old year as well. Yeah, and that's it makes me wonder if, if Hakar is involved in, in that corrupted blood, like making the corrupted Loa in the first place. But there's a lot we don't know. For right now, I'm just going to say we, we may see more Hakar. We don't know. If anything, I think, though, you are right that we'll probably find out more about the traveling of the Loa between the two states, essentially. 
yeah, uh, in the coming expansion. And I think that's that's old news at this point. That's not even a, a spoiler. They've been talking about that for a while. Uh, the second question, though, in the Well of Eternity book, they talk about the lands of the dragons. Uh, is this the Dragon Blight or is this the Dragon Isles? Something that's been hinted at. I think it's pretty pretty clear that it's the Dragon Isles, yeah? I mean, it could always turn out not to be the Dragon Isles if they decide not to do that, but it feels like they've been dropping hints about the Dragon Isles for a while. They dropped several this expansion. Um, so I I would not be surprised if the Dragon Isles come up, not in Shadowlands, although they might, for all I know, they might. I mean, we've got lots of people. There's a there's a thread from Legion where, you know, the, the Lich King sends the, the Death Lord to reanimate one of the greatest champions of the Red Dragonflight, as a as a you know mount as one of those skeletal you know i think it was called it's like called an ember worm or whatever to to reanimate it as one of those undead dragons so it's quite possible that at some point in shadowlands we could end up going to the dragon isles uh, and perhaps to stop that kind of thing from happening perhaps to to raise more dragons in service of the war against whoever we end up fighting i mean who knows we don't know because right now we still only have the vaguest idea of what the storyline of Shadowlands is. A little more now that we've gotten into the the, bait, the alpha, but still, there's a lot we haven't seen yet. There's a lot we don't know yet. And we don't know what's going to happen after we all hit level 60. Because there's going to be, you know, that's the thing about expansions is there's story to get you to max level. And then there's the, there's story, the story at, at max, max level. level. Yep. Yeah, And we don't know what it's going to be yet. We know, like we have hints, we have ideas, but we don't have the whole picture yet. So, but yeah, we they definitely could end up going there. They've, they've dropped hints. It might not happen this expansion. It might happen next expansion or the expansion down the road. I mean, I would be very surprised, like you said, that if we don't have something to do, especially with the Dragon Isles, with how heavily it's been hinted at, how heavily it's been sort of looked at. Uh, there's been items that drop on the, the island quest or the island expeditions. There's been all that stuff with Rathion uh, and his journal and everything else there. The importance of the dragons popping right back up through the end of the expansion here in Battle for Azeroth. Because if you go into the heart chamber, they're all there. Like there's a representative from every dragon flight present uh, helping you to defeat Nizoth. Uh, and it just seems real coincidental that that happens. Then you get the Rathion stuff, then everything here. If we don't see something from the Dragon Isles at some point during this expansion coming up, I would be incredibly shocked. It just seems like it would be very fitting, even if it's just for something for us to go and try to retrieve uh, something we need uh, or you know, further the story of what's happening. Because again, the other thing I've been thinking about is Dragons have been around for a very, very long time. They die too. Where do they go when they die? What happens to their spirits? Like, we know that we saw Ysera at the end of the Emerald Nightmare, and she was definitely a ghost. Uh, what happened there? What about Alexstrasza's mate? Uh, or all the other dragons that have died in between? Where do they go? What happens to them? They are technically mortal creatures. Do they go to the Shadowlands? Is there a special place for them? Is the Dragon Isle a reference to another plane of existence in the Shadowlands that is dedicated to the the dead of the, the dragons? Is that where their spirits go to reside? We have no idea. I, I think, though, we're going to get something uh, about that relatively soon. All right. Our next question comes from M-A of Taint on Proudmore. I have two quick questions. First, what do you guys think about Azeroth being the Titan of Hope? 
Our characters seem to be able to do things they say shouldn't even come close to, like defeating Argus, the Burning Legion, and several Olgods. Didn't Algalon's defeat speech even ask something like this? We'll start there, then I'll ask the second one afterwards. Um, I mean, I don't know if Titans have... I don't know, like, you know, Titans have kind of things they do, like time and so forth. But I've never heard one actually described as the Titan of time travel or whatever. I don't know. I mean, certainly there is a case to be made for Azeroth. They've said before that Azeroth is, like, special. That Azeroth is, like, going to be, like, the final Titan, the most powerful Titan. Um, There certainly is a case to be made for that basic idea. I feel like actually being the Titan of hope is a little... I don't know. I, I... Okay. It's one of those things where when people talk about Supergirl, it's like hope, help, and compassion. And I know a lot of people who love Supergirl, and I think Supergirl's a great character. But I always feel like that's like when Superman says in in, in Man of Steel, it stands for hope. I kind of rolled my eyes. Um, it's a little much, <laughs> but that's just me. Uh, everyone has a different opinions. Certainly, uh, Algalon doesn't say specifically hope. He just he's like how. How do you defy against all cosmically calculated odds? Perhaps it is your imperfection, that which grants you free will. Uh, so for, for all we know, she could be the Titan of Will. If we're going Green Lantern core on this that whole thing, um, I don't know. But, you know, hope's good, too. It, it, it certainly is possible, I guess. But we, we haven't heard. No one said, no one's busted out Azeroth's portfolio yet. I think it's a little soon to to demand that the baby explain to us what she can do. You know, it seriously is like getting it like a kid in a crib going, we need us. We need <laughs> you to be really strong, baby. I, I know Heracles strangled serpents in the crib. I gotcha. But this one isn't even born yet. This is, this is seriously like we're, we're putting a lot on the baby is what I'm saying. Yeah. I feel really bad sometimes for Azeroth because we are expecting a lot of this kid. Yeah, it's going to get get there, take its first steps, and then, okay, well, now you're good. Now go kill the Void Lords. Uh, I think whenever I hear the concept of Titan of Hope, and it's something we have heard a few times in game and in stories, and I think it was even referenced in, in Chronicles as the Titan of Hope, I don't think it's necessarily, like, the domain of their power. I think it's just an epitaph to, like they're putting their hopes on this Titan. They're putting their hopes on Azeroth because it is supposed to be the largest, the strongest, possibly the last of the Titans. And the hope is that it will be strong enough to expel the Void's influence from this plane or, or, or whatever the case is, whatever they're hoping will actually be accomplished. I think that's more where it comes from. I... I don't think it's like a domain of hope or power because that also seems like something that's more usually in line with the light as opposed to what the Titans have really displayed that they do. We have no clue what, how powerful she's going to be. We don't know if she's going to have a little bit of every Titan. Maybe that's part of what the reason that the Titan facilities were there for in the begin with. Maybe it wasn't necessarily to just purely cultivate her, but maybe it was supposed to cultivate little pieces of their specialization in her to make her like the ultimate scroll. Uh, you know, maybe she's got a little bit of that life bending uh, ability since, uh, you know, Freya did all that stuff and, and maybe she can handle a little bit of time. Maybe she can do a little bit of the arcane mastery. Maybe she's going to be a really, really badass warrior. We don't know, but I think hope really just refers to the fact that they hope she is going to accomplish everything that they want 
that last titan, that final titan, to be able to accomplish more than her power. Uh, the second part of the second question from M hyphen A. It seems strange that Azeroth is able to cry out to Magni in her sleep. Can we really be sure that Azeroth is asleep and not imprisoned by someone or something that recognizes the power of hope? Oh, what do you think? I mean, there is nothing currently in the game to support that interpretation. There's nothing in the game to particularly detract from that interpretation, but it is just an interpretation. There's, there is no, nothing in story one way or another. Magni is the speaker. He's recognized as the speaker by being, by other beings that are Titan created. For instance, when he shows up, the Mogu are like, the speaker is here. He doesn't tell them I'm the speaker. They know that he's the speaker. So it seems likely that Magni's existence as he currently is, is part of the protocols for Azeroth's protection. That they recognize that this exists. This isn't new. So if if she was imprisoned by something that was then, you know, Magni's existence is from Azeroth. The fact that he is the, the speaker is from Azeroth. It would be very odd if he wasn't actually getting messages from her, considering that that's his job. Um. And you'll note he doesn't actually really understand exactly what she's saying to him. It's more like she is a distressed child yelling out and he's interpreting like her actions, much as the way if you had like a baby in your hands and she's going, Rawr! and you're like, what, what is it? What, what do you want? Please stop. Um, here, do you want something to eat? No. Okay. Do you want to stop bleeding from the giant sword wound? Like, you know, it's, <laughs> But but it's established that Magni is not actually like getting coherent information. Like back in Legion, I think it's Legion. Um, when you go into the chamber at the end, just before Sargeras stabs the world, and she's having nightmares, she's having nightmares about a lot of things, including the old gods. Not just, but but Sargeras stabbing her is definitely big up on the. She kind of knew it was coming. She knew he was going to arrive. She knew it was going to be bad for her. Um, I don't think if something was impersonating her, why would it send that message unless it didn't want those things to happen either? What being could impersonate her and imprison her that isn't the old gods or, the, or a Titan, but that would be still concerned about the old gods and the Titan? Do you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's really not many people on Azeroth who could step in there and pretend to be her successfully and fool the being that the Titan Forge themselves recognize as her representative. Um, like, you know, when you're in the heart chamber, all those Titan forged, you know, those watchers and keepers, even mother recognize Magni's role as speaker. They don't, they don't question it. They know that's what he is. So I, I think there's not a ton of evidence for what you're saying. Well, but again, think... it's one of those things where you could, there could be like, it could be the case. They just haven't done anything to indicate that it is the case yet. Well, I think the the question isn't necessarily that Azeroth herself isn't speaking to Magni. It's that whether or not she's actually asleep or trapped inside of her egg. And I've seen this actually floating around a lot on uh, the various social sites where people have been speculating since the end of Legion uh, whether or not Azeroth is trapped in the egg and whether or not like the sword from Sargeras plunging where it did 
isn't trying to kill Azeroth, but keep Azeroth inside of its its sort of eggshell. Why would you assume? Why would you assume that if you're gonna if you're trying to do that, that'd be the worst thing imaginable. That's that's we break eggs to get animals that are stuck in eggs out of them. That's what he did. He broke the egg. If you're if anything, that's an attempt to get her out. If your assumption is that she is trapped, then Sargeras just it, tried to save her and he's the hero. And there's the, no other way. You can't have the two interpretations simultaneously. That was if the you, other side of the that was the other side of the argument was a lot of people are arguing that same point. That he was just trying to crack the egg to get Azeroth out. That Azeroth was trapped beforehand. Right? Yeah, I don't I don't yeah, here's the thing is it, we don't understand Titans well enough to make these decisions. Like we're we're just speculating on a ton of speculation. We just it's speculation on the back of more speculation. This goes to the point where back in 2016, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Dave Kosak, back when he worked on WoW still, um, he said that Azeroth's never going to wake up. Yes, he did. Yep, I remember that. And later on, he was like, you know, I'm just speculating. I'm not, you know, this is not me speaking as, as a Blizzard representative. And people freaked out. Uh Forgetting that, you know, Dave Kosak is a human being. He is not like literally an avatar of Blizzard put on this earth to answer our questions completely canonically. Uh, but, but the point is, even Blizzard has not necessarily decided on this. So for us to talk about it, it's great. I love talking about lore stuff. I love speculating and wondering. But we don't know. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where until Blizzard decides what they want to do with it, we won't know. And we can go back and, and take a look at the past. And like I said, I understand this whole idea of uh, the sleeping titan. But again, this can also be it can also be metaphoric too, right? It, it sleeping can just refer to to nascent. It could be whatever its state is. That's, yeah, it's yeah. the weirdest thing about this is we don't we don't know what its state is. We we know that. It seems to be throughout the world, like everything on Azeroth, everything surrounding Azeroth, everything within the core, the, the crust of Azeroth, seems to be part of Azeroth at some level. Uh, and that's one of those things you can you can take that to be as metaphorical as you want, or you can literally take it. You can take it literally that they literally are part of Azeroth. When when we as the quote unquote champion of Azeroth. You're the champion of Azeroth because it's your world too. Bane thinks that Azeroth is the Earth Mother. Yeah. Um, and he, I think he says that. He, he does. I, yeah, like it, it, that was pretty recently established, and uh, like throughout Legion and even in Battle for Azeroth, like Bane is pretty on board with the with the idea that Azeroth is the Earth Mother, that the Earth Mother has been speaking to them uh, throughout all this time, and it has always been Azeroth. So, yeah, and it's just it's it's one of those things where it certainly is possible that something's going on, but it's hard to determine what what is even meant by it. Is something holding Azeroth inside the planet? Is Azeroth simply not ready to come out? Like, you know, things don't hatch from eggs until they're ready to hatch. Um, we don't know. Uh, is it simply that the Well of Eternity thing happening, the, you know, the, the original wound to, to Azeroth extended her time in the world? Because her life essence was bleeding out in, into the well of eternity, did the uh, sundering and blowing up the the continent of Kalimdor and sinking half of it, did that extend her time? I mean, you know, I don't know, man. 
it's it's there's a lot ton we could speculate about and i'm totally down to do so but i'm never going to say if you ask me a question could it be x the answer is almost always yes mm -hmm. it could be x it almost always could be x unless the question is could azeroth be tiffin Wren? <laughs> i mean probably not Oh. Almost certainly not. Tiffin Rin was was fairly canonically established as a human woman who married a man and had a child and died when a rock hit her in the head. And not like Azeroth putting on an outfit. But I mean, I guess they could do that if they wanted to. I you know. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll find out, uh, I think, probably a little bit more about that as time goes on and as Blizzard starts making decisions. Um, but the other thing, too, is, and just to kind of circle back just a little bit, and and Matt touched on this a while, it's not so much that, that Magni necessarily only hears her crying either. He gets glimpses of sort of empathic stuff. Like, he gets visions. He even said, I think it was... When we went to go to Alduar and cleanse sort of that nightmare that was happening to her there with the invasion of the old Gaudi stuff, even he says during that entire exchange that it's not so much words he hears, it's visions or glimpses of things like feelings, not necessarily a complete understanding. And whether that's just how the speaker works with Azeroth, which there may have been a speaker before Magni at some point way back in the past, we don't know. Uh, or it could be that Azeroth doesn't have the, the ability to form coherent uh, thought or, sentences regardless you know, of their state, right? Could It could also be that, you know, Azeroth talking to Magni is, I mean, how much of a conversation can you really have with your cat? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you can tell your cat how great, great a little kitty she is and how much you love her, but does she understand language? I mean, it's established that cats make noises back at us. Because they, we make noises at them, so they the, the the language of your house cat is not the way feral cats talk. They don't make those sounds. They're making those sounds to you because they think you're a dumbass, and they're trying to. I'm, I'm not even kidding. This is this is established yeah. by yeah. Cat thinks you're an idiot, and so she's talking to you in baby talk. She's talking to you like a baby cat, hoping that you'll get it. Um. And so Azeroth might be doing that because she doesn't, you know, she tries and we don't get it. So she's dumbing it down. Not, not in an insulting way because Azeroth is, you know, an entire planet's worth of stuff. It's, it's all this spirit and force and we're so small and limited and she's trying to communicate, but you know, Magni doesn't get it. So she's got to, okay, I'll try pictures. You know, we don't know. We have never like I, I would actually love it if at some point Azeroth does in fact manifest, and finally we find out that she's been basically, you, you know, trying. But my God, you're all so thick. You know? <laughs> but, but we don't know. We have no idea. Uh, all right. Our next question comes from Dark Troll. Question for Lorewatch. Uh, after listening to you guys talk about new allied races on the regular show a few weeks ago and Matt mentioning the original Night Elf Worgen as a possibility, it got me thinking about the Zandalari and Kul Tiran Drust Druidic traditions. As far as I can tell, they both developed completely separate from the Kaldori, so it would be cool to hear more about that. Specifically, though, I was thinking neither group would have had Malfurion's edict against exploring the pack form, so what would have stopped that from happening? The idea of a dinosaur war 
Worgen sounds kind of fun, and imagine what a Drust take on the pack form would be. Not sure if the idea of a playable allied race would fit, but imagine running from a pack of Drust Wicker form Worgen, possibly in the Shadowlands. Oh, what do you think? It is an interesting... Well, I was going to say, for the Zandalari, I think the Zandalari Druidic tradition actually comes from whatever tradition the, the Dark Trolls would have had. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, the Zandalari are the oldest troll culture. And so everything you look at that, that we have from, from any group of trolls or elves branches off from that culture. And I think it's very interesting if you look at where the Zandalari are. Zandalari Island was originally a mountain. Mm-hmm. Much like Hyjal, it was just the southern version. It's like the Dark Trolls went north and found a mountain just like Zandalar. And this is one of the things I remember Anne and I were talking about, and she always used to think there's probably something Titan under Mount Hyjal, even before they built the put the world tree there. There was something special about it. And I've often often thought, you know, yeah, it, it attracted the it attracted their version of Loa. The ancients, much as the the Zandalari mountain attracted the Loa that were important to the Zandalar, um, and the night elf culture comes out of that, and it comes out of the Well of Eternity having changed them. And I've often thought about that, like the the, the druidic tradition of the Zandalari would have been established from that. I don't think they would have had a pack form because that's very specific to a specific ancient, and that ancient is Goldren. Right. And Goldrin in the pack form, the reason the pack form was dangerous was because Goldrin was hurt during the War of the Ancients. It was the War of the Ancients in specific that made pack form dangerous. It wasn't dangerous before. It didn't exist before. It was only when Goldrin was wounded by the, by the Legion and his wound became interminable and painful to him and he couldn't, he couldn't bear the light of the moon and he couldn't control his rage anymore that the pack form became a thing much less dangerous. So I don't think the Zandalari would have had some kind of dinosaur version because that's it's specific to Goldrin. It is specific to that Loa. But the Drust absolutely could. Because the Drust tradition, we don't know where it comes from yet, but it does have to come... We know the Drust are Vrykul-related, much like humans are. They're essentially like a, a broken-off offshoot of the Vrykul who got separated when the, when the world got smashed up. We don't know where their druidic tradition comes from. They could have made contact with, with Goldrin. And they could have learned his form. And there wouldn't have been anybody to stop them. And now, while we're on that subject, there are other ancients that have had the Legion's influence taint them. Mm-hmm. Um, Ursok and Ursul come to mind. Yep. Now... Imagine some giant bear form where you don't just take the form like a were bear form. Say. Seen that anywhere? Seen any druids doing that? And they're drawing upon Ursok and Ursol to do it, and we just saw Ursok get corrupted by the Emerald Nightmare. Think about it. There's there's room for like some dr- weird drust stuff. I think the Zandalari are in a different situation in that their their druidic tradition is much like the one that the uh, Dark Spear came up with, where it's specific Loa coming to them and making deals. Uh, I think for the Dark Spear it was Gonk, right? Gonk originally started it. I think so. That does sound and then, right. But he went. And yeah, got, dark, he yeah. Got all Gonk the, was Dark Spear. 
and he got all the other Loa to go along with him and to offer their forms and stuff. Like he, he wasn't just gonking them. He was like, yeah, I went and here's what we're going to do. And so the Zandalari tradition seems very similar in that everything they do, oddly enough, Scenarius seems to have provided that role for the, for the night elves where they Scenarius is like an inter intercessionary figure. Like they come to the Emerald dream through him and he's able to intercede for them because his mother is a and his stepmother or foster mother is Ysera. So he's able to provide that branch through which they can come to all these other ancients. But it's, it's only when you see them try and take on the pack form, that's a direct thing to Goldrin and Goldrin and Elune are on the outs. So her intercession doesn't seem to be as important or more important is, is more important and it's not the pack form is a rejection of it. That's why the scythe of Elune can control them because it's directly reminding Goldrin of Elune's primacy. It's basically like balking him. We don't, we don't have enough yet on the Zandalari druids. And I, I'm, if you're asking me, should they do more? Absolutely. They should. I am totally on board with seeing more Zandalari druid tradition. I'd love to see how it fits into their worldview. Cause Zandalari tradition. And I don't, I'm, I'm talking a lot and I feel like I'm, I'm interrupting Joe and I want to let Joe talk. So <laughs> but I think one of the things I want to say before he gets going, because I think he'll, he'll go off of this pretty well. The Zandalari tradition is interesting in that it is not like goblins. It does not view everything as transactional, but it is very patronage based. It is. Yeah. You have a patron spirit. You have a patron, uh, Loa that you offer fealty to, and you respect all of them. Like it's not you just because you're, you're, you know, you and Razan have a special relationship. You don't just ignore it, but you can, you can, go up to even even your Loa. Uh, we see this with Buon Samdi. You can go up to your Loa and tell him, no, I'm not doing that. And Buon Samdi doesn't immediately just punish that person. I don't think he can. He can't just punish them. He, he's like, okay, well, then that's fine. We'll work something else out. There's an interesting relationship. It's very much, I don't think, it, again, I don't think it's transactional like a goblin shaman type thing. But I definitely feel like it's it's you are my patron. There are things you do for me. There are things I do for you. I don't disrespect all the other Loa. Just I mean, obviously, none of us like that Hakar guy. But there, there's a definitely I want to see that relationship. And I do think you could have an interesting druid forms. Like imagine a Velociraptor pack, not Velociraptor, because Dynanicus will go with or something bigger if they eventually bring Utah Raptor in. A uh, big, a big raptor form, like partially raptor. The Sorok are are similar to that, and the Sorok are descended from devil sores. Mm -hmm. And devil sores, if we're going with earth animals here, Tyrannosaurids are related to raptors. They're both cholerosaurs, and they're related to birds as well. So there's there's a lot there that could be done. I'm gonna let Joe talk now, though. <laughs> This is something I've been thinking about actually quite a bit, uh, especially since we got into Zandalari culture as deeply as we have in Battle for Azeroth. And it's made me start asking a particular question. Was Malfurion actually the first druid? And a lot of people can argue, yeah, he was. And here's all the reasons why. 
but trolls existed before elves. The druidic tradition for for trolls has been there longer than elves have existed. If you are to follow all of the quests, when trolls were allowed to be druids the first time in the game, when that whole, all that questing sort of started, they talked about it being an ancient tradition of the Zandalari. Uh, when we go to Zandalar and we actually start interacting with the individual druids that serve the different loas, and they all have their specific forms, yeah, it is very patron-based, but it seems like it's been there longer. And it got me thinking about this particular type of thing. What about all of these wonderful loas that fall into pack animals? What if there was that same sort of hybrid form that created that worgen, but different? What if Bethic had a whole bunch of panther hybrids running around. We already know that there's a, a hybrid cat form that you can use in-game. What if that was expanded upon? Uh, you have uh, Kimball as another one, uh, god of tigers. Tigers tend to not be solitary creatures for the most part. Uh, Gonk is another great example. Uh, Halazi is another great one. Harkoa. Uh, Here's the thing, man. You know what I'm thinking when you're talking about this? What's that? You you just made the case for why Malfurion is the first druid. Okay, lay it on me. Malfurion was the first one who could do any damn form he wanted. But so can the Zandalari. Before Malfurion, no, no, they can now. Before Malfurion found Cenarius and found someone to be an intercessor between all these various ancients, Jiro, you had individual servants of individual Loa who could take individual forms. But did you have someone who could do them all? Unless you're arguing the Zandalari have never learned of anything in more recent times. And I don't think you can make that argument. I think the argument is, what's a druid? Is a mm. druid someone who just takes on the form of one specific Loa? Or ancient? Or is a druid somebody who can, who can tap into the entire natural world, who doesn't make individual deals who doesn't have a patron his patron is the world i think there's there's room for to say these traditions are ancient and these these forms are ancient and these people had their own tradition that tapped into this and gonk himself even says we're doing something different this is new i'm doing something new here i'm bringing you a new thing is it rooted in old stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And I do think there's a case to be made for the Zandalari having traditions of this type way before the, the Night Elves. Hell, the Night Elves had stuff before Malfurion was born. Yep, if you go to Suramar, there's there's that guy. Um, I don't remember his name, but the dude who's involved with the whole Arcane Tree quest in Suramar. Um, and he's very clearly you know, all about nature and all about botany and all about that stuff but it's different than druidism. I think you can actually make the case that Malfurion is the first druid and druidism is that thing that he teaches. And that thing he teaches didn't come from nowhere. It didn't, he didn't make it up. He just made it that. And before him, you didn't have anybody doing it like that. So I think you're, you've, I think you definitely think you're on a case here. I think you've got a point. But I don't think you're ever going to get anyone to say this. The Malfurion wasn't the first druid. They're never going to do it. They're never going to like go with that as lore. 
they think oh, they're yeah, never gonna I... call, they're never going to call what the Zandalari did druidism, and I don't think it was. I think there's a reason that whenever you saw those guys before, they're called dinomancers. Remember, like every time we've seen the Zandalari that can do dinosaur forms and control dinosaurs, they're called dinomancers and not druids. Before like, now, back. yeah, that's true. And I think there's a reason for that. I think Zandalari druids. What I would love to see is if this if I want Blizzard to make up their minds on this. Quite frankly, I want you to if Blizzard if you're if you're saying that the Malfurion's first druid and you're going to stick with it no matter what, then do something where we find out why the Zandalari have started doing this this way. And if you're not, then by all means, I, I am totally down with finding out that the druidic tradition is way older and the Zandalari had druids. That's cool. Let's if you're going to do it, do it. But I do think this is one of those situations where we need an actual call on it. I agree. And I'm fine with either call. I, I agree. And I think we're coming to a point where we're at a perfect opportunity to do that with the Shadowlands becoming a thing, with us going to places like Ardenweld, with us going to places like the other side. We're going to be interacting with these ancients and these spirits. And we've argued before that. You know, are the ancients truly separate from what the Loa are, or are they all in the same weight class? Like, because even the the trolls refer to the ancients as Loa. Is there a reason for that? Is it just because of their power scale, or is it because they knew of them from all these years? Is it something that they interacted with them? They have traditions that go back to them as well. I'd like to see some definition in that. I'd like to see something that pins down how that relationship translates over all these years. And like you said, I would really like them to make a call and I'd be fine either way. Like if you want to say that absolutely, you know, Malfurion was the absolute first absolute King of Druids. Like at that point, like he's the one that, that helped create the tradition known as Druidry. Fine. I'm cool with that. But if we go back to ancient, like we, we start going back to some of these older Loas, because for me, like I like I was saying, like I understand that it was patron based, but I also have seen through all these years that you don't just have to be devoted to one Loa. Like, yes, the king was and the and and the his daughter was Talanji was, but if you look at some of the other ones you interact with, they don't just worship one, they worship many. And even you as a player, you can give your patronage uh, or uh, you can give your your support to any of the Loa as you go through any of the shrines. So if that's the case and you know, what's to set, stop them from saying that they could have had uh, multiple patrons or, or had multiple Loa that were in the same sort of wheelhouse together. And I would love to see that partially. I'd also like to see a game effect with it too. I would love to see you worship a Loa and your form sort of take that on. Maybe not necessarily as a dinomancer, but uh, what were those bosses from Zul Aman? I can't remember the name. They, they had a name, a specific name for them. The um, various, I know what you're talking about. Like we remember. even we even interact with their avatars uh, or their new high priest of them in uh, in Zandalar. Like we, there's an entire section with them where we have like the the servant of Nalarok and 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 all that stuff. I'd like to see something like that translate to troll druid forms. Just partially because I think it would be a little more interesting, but that's just me. But again, like you said, don't know. We'll find out hopefully in Shadowlands. Like I said, great opportunity. They were Give still Loa. Stuff. They uh, were the still stuff, Loa. The Amani's, they were just Loa. There wasn't a special name for them. 
They no, were just being they, like they were, they were being used in. Yeah, but I thought they had a, a name like they were prophets of or something. They were. They had prophets. The prophets were like you saw that in Zoldrak too. Mm-hmm. The ones that were drawing their power or using it, like kind of the Zulaman ones, they were using it sort of against their will. They were actually like forcing it. In Zoldrak, they were straight up eating them. They were like killing them and absorbing their essences. And we um, even saw that a took little it bit even further. And we saw that a little bit of Battle for Dazar lore with like uh, Paku in them. With their like high priests, I think they were. I think they were also called prophets. I, I'd have to go back and check the encounter, but yeah, uh, we do have some more questions that we're going to get to today. Uh, this one comes from Spoon. Uh, with the next expansion right around the corner, where do you think the story will or can go after we have dealt with Shadowlands? That is a very open-ended one. Uh, <laughs> I've been talking a lot, so you should go. You should start this. I, I still, and I've been saying this for a long, long, long time, I think that after we're done with the Shadowlands, we're going to start dealing with the repercussions from the Void. I don't think it's done. We've dealt with the Old Gods, but the Old Gods aren't necessarily, they're, they're not exactly one-to-one servants of the Void anymore. And I believe it was specifically Matt that called this out a very long time ago, uh, I think in our first year of Lore Watch, where... We were talking about when the old gods were flung from the void into the material plane uh, and landed on Azeroth or wherever else they landed in the universe. They were fundamentally changed. They weren't creatures of pure void anymore. They were also fleshy and material and, and were changed completely from what they originally were when they were hurled into this this sort of light space. I think that now that we've dealt with the old gods, there's still more to deal with. There's still more out there that we don't understand yet. Uh, and you look at Alaria, you look at her and the void elves and that whole thing. You look at locust Walker and you look at the ethereals that still has to be dealt with. And I keep saying this. I think at some point we're going to have to deal with that entirely void consumed planet out there in the universe Koresh, because if nothing else, we have saw in Argus that when something gets so void-saturated, it essentially becomes like an anchor point or a gateway for the void to sort of funnel its power and beings and creatures into our plane of existence or, or our reality. How is that working on Koresh? How is it affecting space over there? Is it just this slowly moving tide of void corruption that could consume everything? That's where I think the story is going to go after Shadowlands. We'll fix whatever's broken there. We'll deal with the Arbiter. We'll deal with the Jailer. We'll get the machinery of life and death working again. Um, maybe not exactly as good as it used to, but we'll get we'll get everything back on track. But then we still have to deal with that, something we have not fully dealt with ever, despite all of our run-ins with Void or Void-adjacent things. That's That's my idea. What do you think, Matt? You are incredibly optimistic, and I'm going to even say a little naive. <laughs> if you think we've dealt with the old gods, how have we dealt with the old gods? We haven't stopped a single one of them. True. We haven't best inconvenienced them. We know that a titan reached down and ripped one out of the planet, and that created the Shah, and the heart of the Yisraj was still up to its old tricks. And we didn't even do that. We haven't even done that level of destruction. What did we do? We poked Cthulhu in the eye. We gave you, you know, Yog Sarat 
Oh, a tummy ache. Let me let me amend my statement then. I think we've dealt with the old gods for right now. I'm Honestly, saying- though, I I don't I don't even think that they've been gone for the amount of time they've supposedly been dealt with. Like we know that Cthulhu was still controlling Shogal in Cataclysm. Like three expansions after he supposedly died, and I'm doing finger quotes. You can't see him. Just trust me; they're there. Um, so, I think the old gods could come right roaring back. I don't have any problem with that idea. I think that the entirety I, of of Nihilotha was was Nazoth getting exactly what he wanted. But I'm going to say that I don't think the next expansion is going to go right to Void or right to old gods because I do feel like people will think, "Oh, we just did that." Okay. I think the fact that we keep seeing Dragon Isles and we keep getting hints about the Dragon Isles means that the Dragon Isles are going to come up in the next expansion after Shadowlands. But what does that mean? Does it just mean we're going to have, like, you know, we're going to the Dragon Isles? Or, or what actually happens when you go to the Dragon Isles? What's there? Because remember, only all we know about the Dragon Isles was that they were going to come in at the end of World of Warcraft. They were planned as a raid zone. And then it didn't happen. And that's basically it. We know that there's there's stock art of them. And that stock art looks an awful lot like the, the temple in Storm... In Storm oh, bloody hell. Ah, the zone in... You're talking about Shrine of Storms. You think, am I talking about that? Yeah, because it's got the very nautilistic... Yes, that, that I am talking yeah. about that thing. That's that's what the concept art for Dragon Isles originally looked like. It was going to be like there were going to be old god temples and stuff. We really have no idea what Dragon Isles is going to be like if we go there. And we've not like we we've got Rathion as basically the face of the Black Dragonflight, and we haven't really seen much else from any other members. We've never dealt with the dragons as as a force. We've had dragon bad guys. But imagine, there's probably some dragons who are really dissatisfied with how the, the, the great aspects have led them as a people. If you're a dragon and you look at what happened to your people because of the aspects, the aspects didn't defend you. They didn't, you know, well, they were so busy defending Azeroth, they just let you fall by the wayside. Now you've got no future. The the dragon flights that are not don't have an aspect that are outside of the original flights, they're doing much better. The proto dragons are doing much better. Mm-hmm. The you know, the storm dragons are doing much better. The weird ones like the, the the nether drakes and the twilight dragons, you know, they're actually reproducing. What are we doing? There could be an entire expansion based around dragons. That could actually happen. And it would be interesting because we have not seen any of that stuff. Now, I don't know that that's what they're going to do. I, in fact, I don't have a strong feeling for what's going to happen after Shadowlands. I feel very much like we're not going to just immediately move into Void. Fair enough. I feel because much the same reason that we didn't immediately go back to dealing with the Legion after Wrath of the Lich King. Um I do think we're not going to immediately go back to Void just because they people will feel like we just we just had that with Nihilotha, they're going to want to break. Um, but that doesn't mean, like, what What will they do then? They're not going to do another, like, I hope to God, they're not going to do another Azeroth fights a war against itself thing, and we have the Horde in the, in the Alliance fighting. I don't want that. 
I would be totally down for an expansion where like internal politics dominate. And so horde players do stuff inside the horde and alliance players do stuff inside the alliance. And it's like world, you know, like a, a, a world anew or something, you know, world reborn, you know, now this is the expansion where we actually have to go back to Azeroth and fix all of our problems that we have let fester for multiple expansions. Now this is the expansion where you have to go deal with all that crap. And there's definitely impetus for it too, right? Like we talked about this in several episodes past with the whole Kali Amenethil thing happening and, yeah. and the new council and, and everything else. And plus the unrest yes. that's happening in the inside of the Alliance. Think about if Kali Amenethil joins the horde, if she goes over and takes charge of the forsaken and joins the horde, the Horde and the Alliance now have a place where they meet, where they never met before. Imagine an entire storyline about the Alliance finally dealing with the fact that the Forsaken exist and are effectively their their relatives. You know, that there is... And not every Alliance member is going to accept it. Not every, every Forsaken wants to reconnect. But those connections exist... And we saw them in Before the Storm. Um, it's really, you know, there's there's so much they could do. And for all we know, at the end of this expansion, we're going to learn stuff we have no idea about right now. We're sitting here talking about this, and we have no idea. We don't know what the Arbiter is. We don't know what the Jailer is. We don't know if there are completely new things that are just from their world. We could discover entire new planes of existence. Yeah that we don't know anything about. We could go to the place where Titans come from. Imagine that. You go to the realm where the Titans come from. You go inside the, the, the actual Twisting Nether, and you go to the place where Fell comes from. Like, we know that there's Mardum was one of those planes. There could be others. Who knows? We, we actually go to the realm where demons originally come from. There's so much we have not explored yet. I... I, I I don't know that we'll do that. I'd really have no idea. I mean, imagine an entire expansion where we just travel to various planes of existence. Or dealt with stuff encro encroaching on Azeroth. There's a lot. There's a lot we don't know. I can't sit here and tell you what is going to happen. I just, I don't think we're going to see the Void just, just because we just dealt with, with Nazoth. I honestly feel like they're going to take some time before they go there. I don't think they're going to go right back, but I don't think the void's going away either. Yeah. I don't think it can go away. Right. Like, is, it, yeah, it's not done. I feel like we're going to see the void in the next three expansions. Like every time we have an expansion, the void's probably going to have something going on in it. Um, in much the same way that the burning Legion never left after burning crusade. Like we didn't get away from the Legion. They were still in the back simmering away. And it wasn't until Legion that they they finally showed up full force and said, let's go. But absolutely, I don't think the Legion is going on. Like the, the, I, for that matter, the Legion isn't actually gone. No, we still have the, uh, we still have, what, whatchamacallit, running around the, the quote-unquote generals, the Nathrazim. They're still there. We keep acting, yeah, we keep acting like we, you know, we, we totally beat, yes, Sargeras is currently occupied. You know, but Sargeras was occupied for a long time. You know, after... After Warcraft, you know, two, essentially Sargeras was cast out when when we killed Medivh. Sargeras was was not doing stuff for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, just because 
the other thing is, you know, yeah, yeah, as far as we know, Kill Jaden and Archimonde are dead. But Archimonde, he died on Draenor. Yes, you, we struck him down in the Twisting Nether, but he died on Draenor. So he could very well have ended back up in Antorus. Yeah, because we and, didn't deal. We hadn't dealt with Antorus at that point yet. Yeah, so he could very well have been on his way through the process. And as for Kill Jaden, yeah, we we took him out in the Nether, but then we found out that with Antorus, even demons we killed in the Nether went to Antorus. So he could have been there too. Like he may have. They both may have been reformed by now. We don't know. We we don't think they have been, but. Maybe they were in the process when we finally took, we finally got rid of Argus, and they're there's drifting out there, you know, slowly recoalescing. The Legion could come back. There's no reason it couldn't. I don't think we're going to see them anytime soon because they just got a full expansion to themselves. But imagine if we start hearing rumblings about some demons coming together and working together again. That could totally start happening. We could see demon fiefdoms forming. There's there's a lot. There's a ton of stuff. Yeah, and sort of, and this also feeds into the last question I'm going to ask, and this is from Vertigree, our Forsaken Mage friend. Uh, in an interview on Twitch with Taliesin and Evatel, uh, when asked about the Titanic things, Steve Denuser clarified that he drew a distinction between mortal and magical souls, and that the Shadowlands is where mortal souls go while true demons return to the Nether, and sort of suggested that other beings might go to other places. Uh, with the caveat here of, so how long till I can meet up with my old buddy, Aluneth, the arcane artifact who had a lot to say about the Titans, like in Antorus. I never thought I'd have to slay a Titan. This grieves me, but we do what we must, what must be done. I going back to, going back to the original question about Azeroth being the, the Titan of hope. There's that whole thing about how we've done things. We're not supposed to be able to do. If you read the quest text, when you kill Argus, that quest text hammers home that this shouldn't be possible. Yep. You should not be able to kill Argus. And now that, that begs the question, how come we did? How were we what able made to? it possible? Yep. Was it the Titans helping us? Was it Argus helping us? Cause Argus was clearly tortured and didn't want to be there. Did it actually work at all? When Sargeras killed, and I'm doing air quotes again, that planet that was Titan, that was old God infested. How did, did he actually succeed or did it just fly across the cosmos? Much like when the original Pantheon was killed by Sargeras and the Legion, they all escaped through, through Nos, was it Nosdarma? Not Nosdarma. When I say Norganon, Norganon supposedly like, you know, cast a spell and hurled them across the cosmos. Is that just what happens? Like, is there a Titan soul out there flying through the cosmos looking for some place to go? Or has Un it already unable. found a place? Perhaps. We don't know. There's a ton of stuff like this. Like, is Argus's quote-unquote spirit out there, you know, dr drifting through existence looking for a place to be? Um, don't know. But it is interesting to think about the idea that Titan souls... We know that Titan Souls, for one thing, they can seemingly occupy multiple bodies at once. Yep. And that we know that um, Raden, Master Ra, had Amanthul in him, but at the same time, so did another Keeper. Um, 
Odin, he would have had Odin for that matter. Odin and, and Ra both had part of Amonthul in them at one point. They were both his designates. There's there's a ton of this stuff we really don't know anything about. We know that like you pointed out earlier, uh, the thing about Scenarius immediately popped back, whereas mm -hmm. others haven't. We know that. We know that Sandy, the Emerald Dream is not the, not in the Shadowlands. No, it, it absolutely it isn't. Might, but it does it, it, it does seem linked. It does seem linked to Ardenwald, though. Yep. But that that brings me to like something from the data mining that I, I think we should talk about really fast. Go for it. We know that Muanzala is appearing in this expansion. We there's broadcast text. There's a character model for the first time ever. Yeah, but there's also broadcast text between him and and uh, Abuan Samdi, and, and between him and us and Vol'jin. Uh, do you want? Do you okay with me spoiling this? I I think at this point we are good. We've warned everybody. Let's spoil it. And keep in mind, this is the alpha. This can change. They can change their mind. They can alter this at any time. But in this text, Muzala claims credit for Vol'jin having appointed Sylvanas Warchief. And it's unclear as to whether or not he did that at the Jailer's behest, or if it was his own idea to sow chaos. But he and Bwansamdi are in direct conflict. Like, they're fighting over who gets to be the Loa of Death. Mm -hmm. They both claim that position. Muzala is the Sand Fury Loa of Death, whereas Bwansamdi is the Zandalar Loa of Death. And after it's all over and somebody wins, that person has to contend with the Night Queen, who's the head of Ardenweald, who is like, you know, what are you doing in my realm? And there's back and forth dialogue between them about effectively the Loa's poaching on her territory. Yeah, Moizala specifically is poaching and keeping her Loa away from her. Like, that's an... And we know that we talked about this before where the troll referred to any sufficiently powerful being as a Loa. So these could be ancients or, or Ardenwell spirits because we know that the ancients pass through some form of rebirth just like the Loa do. Mm -hmm. That's incredibly intriguing. So, I... I th when I read this text, one I was very happy to see that there is going to be interaction Moizala, uh, but I think this is sort of the important thing to hear is going back to the question: just because something doesn't go to the Shadowlands specifically, doesn't mean it isn't adjacent or doesn't touch it. And it's something we've talked about with the cosmology where planes of existence sort of overlap in certain certain circumstances and touch at certain points. And like we know that the Shadowlands touches, for lack of a better term, Azeroth Prime or Material Plane. Why? Because that's the whole opening sequence. That's the whole thing with Bolvar. That's the whole thing with, with Sylvanas and Shattering of the Helm and basically stripping that barrier away. We know that Ardenwell touches the Emerald Dream at some point, which means it's just one step away from being able to touch the material plane. So it's not outside of the realm of possibilities that these other places that these non-mortal souls go to, yes, they may have their own designation, but nothing says that it doesn't touch anything else, that there couldn't be crossbleed or something that happens that, that redirects it. And going back to like what Matt was talking about with the whole thing that happened uh, with Argus, we're not supposed to be able to kill him. We're not supposed to be able to do that. How did that happen? Where did his soul go? Is it 
did it go somewhere where there could have been a crossbleed or poaching, just like Moizala was doing to the Loa here, the Loa of the Ardenweld? There's a whole lot of possibilities. So it, I, I like Steve a lot, and I love the way he trolls on social media because uh, I think it's hilarious. But he could be absolutely telling us the truth, but also not telling us everything because, well, why would he? So, yeah, those souls could go somewhere else. That doesn't mean we're not going to see where they go or that we can't touch it or interact with it in some way. So, yes, you may see Aluneth. At least that's my my take. You might you might go to the arcane realm of, of artifacts and souls of non-mortal souls, and, and you might be able to, to go talk with your buddy about all the bad things you did. Do you have anything else to add there, Matt? I think we've pretty much covered it. We've been going for a bit. I think we have. Uh, so Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on a podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, again, thank you very much for joining us. If you have questions for the show, be sure to send them in podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Make sure you specify which one it's for or send them in on our Patreon, or you can even hit us up on Twitter. Send them over to the blizzard watch Twitter. I'm more than happy to, uh, to snag them and pull them down when we can. So thank you very much. And we will see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.